Hey there, Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's uh, good to be with you guys by video this week. Um, glad that you're watching this and hopefully that uh, as we talk about the sermon from Sunday, you guys will be able to think about it a little bit more yourselves even. Maybe we'll be able to draw out some more um, that was in the passage that we were looking at, but I didn't have a chance to talk about. And so uh, we celebrated the Lord's Supper together as a church yesterday. And uh, But what I specifically did was looked at the context in which I think the Passover, uh, or sorry, that the Lord's Supper was being celebrated uh, with Jesus and his disciples. And it was in the context of a meal that they celebrated called Passover, uh, that they celebrated as a remembrance of what God had done to save them from Egypt. Uh, he gave them this meal that was filled with symbolism, everything pointing to the fact that they are about to be saved uh, from their slavery and also safe from the judgment of God that was coming on the Egyptians. Um, and so just to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the, the things that I said in my sermon, I guess would be helpful. Um, I tried really bringing out the idea that Passover was not a meal that they were eating. They were not outward actions that Israel was doing in order to be saved by God, but instead they were doing them because they had faith that they were being saved hmm. by God. And um, I, to be honest, I hadn't really studied Passover much before this sermon, uh, not really in depth. And so the idea of this is a meal that is showing faith, it's expressing hmm. faith, is not something that I had really thought of very much, and even much of the of the other commands that Israel received in the Old Testament. And so, had you guys thought about that as well, or do you think people normally look at what God had commanded Israel to do in the Old Testament as acts of faith? Do we tend to think about God like that in the Old Testament versus the New Testament? Does that question make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think a lot of times we look at the Old Testament as doing yeah. and just obedience. Um, but we have to remember that it was written to a people at a time in real life. And there was a lot of faith going on in what was happening. Like in this, in this case, they had been in Egypt for what, 400 years or something? 430 years. Yeah. And, um, Joseph, right? Yeah. Yeah. And part of the time early on was good, but then it got bad. Right. And so all the, these people, all these people, all they knew was slavery <clears throat> they had they had their stories of abraham and these different things that they that they held on to and they believed in god but um no doubt they were probably a depressed people a, a struggling mm -hmm. people and uh but then some really crazy things had been happening in the last few days before before passover took place and it seemed as if god was doing something Right with the plagues, you you talked about some of the plagues that had happened, and now this last one, and and so there had to be a lot of faith still, though, to say, is this the time? You know, is God is this really happening? Is God really taking us out? And there were probably some who lacked some of the faith, yeah. mm -hmm. right, to say, sure. I don't know, we're just still going to be here. Mm -hmm. We've been here for four hundred years. Like, why is that going to change now? Yeah, there's been nine plagues already. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> who 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 has the guarantee that this last one is actually going to free us? Right, yeah. and so there was a lot of faith on their part to say, you know, to, to follow what God what God tells them in here of what to do with the Passover and what you mentioned in your sermon about like being ready to go and eat it, eat it quick. I think you had talked about that too mm -hmm. some and because we're, 
we're heading out. God's saying, this is the time. I'm, I'm saving you, mm-hmm. right? And have faith that I'm saving you and do these things and then, then it's going to happen. So yeah. faith is a big part of the, of the Old Testament. Like you mm-hmm. said, we don't always think of it that way, yeah. but it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we usually think of it more legally, uh, like thinking of them like they don't, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have grace, really, explained to them fully, uh, revealed to them. So us looking, us us knowing that God has given us mercy and grace through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Looking back, we see all the things that God commands them to do as almost legalistic. Mm-hmm. As you do this, and this is the result. And I think it was really good that you that you pointed out that. These are acts of faith. Um, they're not just doing these things to get an end result. Like they're actually doing these things out of out of faith in God. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, in this occasion, God even tells them, like, I'm about to deliver you mm-hmm. and free you. Yeah. I yeah. think it's good. Yeah, we do tend to think about these commands as be obedient mm-hmm. and you will receive salvation. Yeah. When that's why it's helpful to have like the book of Hebrews even talk about, yeah. you know, those that we look at as Old Testament <clears throat> saints mm-hmm. to see what they've done. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Um, it just, and it had just listed all of the examples of people in the Old Testament who mm-hmm. were, yes, they were doing things, but they're doing things was an outworking of the faith that they had that led them to do those things. And I'd even mentioned in my sermon from the book of James that faith without works is dead. And I think that's really what James is getting at Mm. when he says that, is that it's not the works that save you, but it's the works that show that you actually do have faith in what you're doing. Because if you don't have faith, you're not going to act on that faith. That's true. Um, And so, but let's transition that to I also said that in the same way that the Passover was a meal that was to be eaten in faith, so is the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. How is it different? Uh, is it different? Um, how are we expressing faith when we as a church partake of the Lord's Supper uh, together? Well, I would say it's about, I think it's the same in, in certain ways. Because though we are saved now through Christ, there is a... There is a, a coming judgment, an eternal judgment, that we are being saved from currently, if that, if that made any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so us joining in the Lord's Supper in faith that we are going to be saved in the coming judgment, mm-hmm. just as the Israelites were partaking in that Passover um, having faith that God was going to deliver them out of Egypt. If that, I think those two things correlate really well. Mm-hmm. Sure. <clears throat> but there's, I mean. But I'm sure there's, diff- there's differences there too. That's just a nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and partaking of the Lord's Supper, we are still expressing our faith and trust of God's word and who he says he is, Old Testament, New Testament, um, and how, you know, Paul talks about in Corinthians, about having a veiled, a veiled face, mm. and how now through Christ, through Jesus, we have the you know we can see clearly yeah. the Old Testament teachings and what they were pointing to and what they meant, and so 
We do that by faith, though, still. Like even looking at the Passover meal, we say that that was pointing to Christ who would mm -hmm. be the lamb who would die. Mm -hmm. And you have to partake of his flesh and all this stuff. Just So we would look at the Passover and say, see, it was pointing yeah. to this Messiah, Jesus. It was Jesus. a shadow of. Yeah, it was a shadow. Yeah. But we see that now because God has lifted that veil from our eyes to be yeah. able to, to see this truth. Um, and so we, we do that by faith. But then also with Lord's Supper, it's not just a looking back. It's also a looking forward mm -hmm. that by faith we, we trust that Christ will return, right, and restore all things. Mm -hmm. um, how Romans talks about uh, creation groaning uh, because of sin, right, yeah. because of what it's been subjected to because of yep. sin. And uh, the Bible talks of a restoration, that Christ will restore that. And we live in this time right now, kind of the time between the times where Christ has restored us, we believe, right? He saved us mm -hmm. from our sin, but we still have sickness. We still have pains. We mm -hmm. still have struggles. We still have death in the world. There's, there's still death. And so it's not completely restored. And we, we long for that day. And by faith, we believe that that day is coming. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. As we look back on what Christ has done, we thank Him for what He's doing currently, but we also pray and look forward to the day mm. when he will come again. Yeah, mm. yeah. And when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> I think he says this in all of the accounts of when he does institute it, but he, he says at the end, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And that's referencing exactly what you're talking about, mm. this idea that this is a meal that we're sharing now and I'm not going to eat this meal again until we are all together again in the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, in that way, you're, you're right, absolutely, that the Lord's Supper is a foreshadowing. Uh, so in the same way that, that Israel was celebrating the Passover, not, not yet having been delivered, we, as you said too, like we're living now in this kind of weird time where we have been really forgiven for our sin now, but we still have to die. Right? Mm -hmm. We know that there's, for most of us anyways, unless mm -hmm. the Lord comes back, right. that death is going to come. And we that's the great unknown, they call yep. it, right? Yep. Of who, you have to have expressed faith mm -hmm. of what is going to happen when mm -hmm. that time comes for you. Mm -hmm. um, and trust and, and belief that what God said is going to happen is actually going to happen. Yeah, right. You know, And mm -hmm. that's the kind of trust that we're that we're talking about, the kind yeah. of faith that we're talking yeah. about mm -hmm. together. Yeah. <clears throat> and so so as we think about celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, together, that word together is a pretty important aspect mm -hmm. of the Lord's Supper because we, we don't celebrate it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't celebrate it just as our family at home, mm -hmm. uh, but we celebrate it together as a church. What's the importance of doing this together as a church? Um, I kind of talked about that it, it symbolizes our unity of faith mm -hmm. together and, and the unity that we have as a church, that we are in fellowship with one another <coughs> and that we are in fellowship with Christ through that. But you guys yeah. want to elaborate on that at all? Yeah, um, I think it's an important thing to understand and to talk about because with... Uh, with COVID and just where we are with everything, you're starting to see people, I think, be a little liberal with Lord's Supper, 
and how they're doing Lord's Supper and they're missing the point. It's becoming a legalistic thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's where we can start to see uh, denomination wise where we would differ with mm -hmm. some other faiths or some other denominations yeah. of their view of Lord's Supper because of how they're handling it mm -hmm. through through COVID. Yeah. Um, doing it with the fam like just their family. Yeah. Doing it online. Doing it online. Or like I've seen drive-thru Dri Yeah, drive-thru. Yeah. Um, I've seen things like that happen. And I, th I, th I believe that misses the point of what Scripture's talking about mm -hmm. of why why God instituted Lord's Supper for us. We don't believe that it saves you. You know, we don't believe that it's something even you have to do to be a Christian, mm -hmm. right? It symbolizes what Christ has done, and it's something He's given us together to join us together. And so in 1 Corinthians 11, when Paul talks about it with the church of Corinth, he rebukes the church because they're handling the Lord's Supper wrong. And it's that they're not coming together. That they're coming together physically, but then they're separating by class and by level. Mm -hmm. And there's people starving, and then there's people eating in overabundance. And he's saying, right. that's not the point of this. The point is, is for you guys to come together under the banner of Christ and realize who you are in Christ. I mean, yeah. that's really the point of 1 Corinthians 11. Mm. And so that's why it's important for us to remember that's why we do this. And so I don't believe we can do Lord's Supper sitting in our living room mm -hmm. because my church family's not there with me. Right, I can't see them. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know them. And now, maybe there'd be some extreme circumstances where we would see that to be needed or necessary. I, I'm not trying to just say that that's a horrible thing, but I just I see some churches now where that's just like the common thing. Like, just do it online or do it in your house. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to come here. And that's mm -hmm. that's not the intention of it. It's yeah. it's supposed to be us coming together as a local church. Those that God has put together in this church to remember, again, what Christ has done for us, how he's mm -hmm. brought us together, and the promises that lay before us as a group, right? The promises that Christ has given us, and we do that together in, re in remembrance, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. And so that togetherness is, is vital. I, I think, I mean, I think that's what Corinthians, what Paul's teaching there to the <clears throat> Corinthian church. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost as if churches in this time I might understand how some of them have gotten to this point, but it's almost as if some <clears throat> feel that it is so necessary to practice the Lord's Supper that it's almost like there is something, uh, you could get, really get technical <clears throat> with your terms here, but something that's being accomplished by actually eating the bread and actually drinking the juice mm. that, you know, yeah. we're willing to do anything it takes just to get this into people's yeah. stomachs. Right. Because there's something yeah. that's happening in that. Right. Whereas so, yeah, we're so, saying that there's it's the symbolism that it's pointing to right. that is important here. So if you <clears throat> so like Roman Catholic theology would teach something very different about Lord's yes. Supper yeah. than what we would teach about Lord's Supper. And so when COVID hit and the Roman Catholic Church wasn't meeting and our church wasn't meeting. There actually was two big differences there in them not meeting and us not meeting theologically. Yes. Because they believe you need to partake of Lord's Supper often, all the time, because it imparts grace into your life. You're mm -hmm. actually receiving Christ yep. when you receive the you're bread. Being absolved. And you're being yeah. forgiven. And so there was no way of forgiveness without without that, right? Yeah. And then they have there's more theology there with their mass in general, with mm -hmm. every, with all this stuff. Yeah. Right. And so that's where 
the Catholic Church had to wrestle with that. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about mm -hmm. this? And so they, some of their priests would go door to door and start giving, because these people need to be forgiven of their sins, because yeah. even though they're at home stuck in their house, they're still sinning. Yeah. Right. And so they need to get this. They need to get this. They need to get this. So it became a big issue for the for the Roman Catholic <clears throat> Church. And there's probably some other faiths that have the same type of views, mm -hmm. right? Where they, but that's not the case. For us, it's not how we view the Lord's Supper. We view, view it symbolically. We're not mm -hmm. actually eating the body of Christ. We're not drinking His blood. Mm -hmm. It's juice. It's 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 a cracker, mm -hmm. and it symbolizes right what He has done for. So, so there's a big difference there, mm -hmm. uh, theologically, that needs to be recognized and understood. And so we don't. Uh, we believe. When God saves us by His grace, it's completely forgiven. Past sins, present sins, future mm -hmm. sins. And me partaking of Lord's Supper doesn't enhance that forgiveness. It doesn't, um, you know, make that forgiveness more real or more accepted. Uh, but there is something special with Lord's Supper. We can't negate that. We don't yeah, want to mm -hmm. push that aside. There's yeah. something special about the church coming together and and. God wouldn't give us something just for giggle, you know, just for, just, just want sure. you to do it. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't believe you guys did that all the time. I yeah. There was really nothing to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get that. There, there's a reason he's instituted the Lord's Supper. And I think it's to centralize all of us together as we mm -hmm. gather together, some rich, some poor, right? People of different nationalities, different mm -hmm. race, whatever, all coming together as the local church yep. to partake, to remember I am only who I am in Christ, yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And you are same thing. And we can look across the aisles. We can look at each other in the eye as we're doing that. And we can be unified in that. That's why we are here. Not because we like each other, not mm -hmm. because this is some social club. It's because Christ has saved us and brought us here together. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure if this applies and if it's not understandable, intelligible, help me out here. Uh, but I was, I was just thinking that, during the Passover, what it would have been like for the Egyptians to be looking at the Jews. Like, why are they rubbing blood on their doors? Why are they all going in at the same time, doing this, at, you know, wiping their, the blood on the door at the same time during the day? Or was it the evening? It was in the, it was evening. In the evening. And then, like, they're all going inside to do something. It smells like lamb. Like, there's, you know, like, what, what, would that have looked like? Mm. And, and I think what, what is concluded out of that is the Lord's Supper is also a witness to the outside world of the union that we have with Christ and the fact that they don't have that union. Mm -hmm. um, so like kind of looking at that nowadays, when we have Lord's Supper, it's, it's every time we have it, we say, if you're not in Christ, if you're not saved, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you do not partake of this. Mm -hmm. you, like you, almost as if, like you were saying, you're an outsider here. Mm -hmm. Like this is not something that is for you. So I think, in a way, it 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 really is a witness to the outside people, the the community, our community, mm -hmm. that we are doing this. Not as an outreach, but it's just something that reflects what we do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and it's, it goes to show too. I mean, there's a lot of people who I think would be offended by the language that you just used of sure. like you're you're doing something as a church that makes people feel like outsiders. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of like a 
a taboo in a sure. lot of church planting culture even. Yeah. Uh, to make people feel, because what you want to do is make people feel like insiders. Sure. But trying to do that is, again, treating the Lord's Supper like it brings some kind of spiritual benefit to the person, whereas mm -hmm. we know the spiritual benefit in the Lord's Supper yeah. is there only as long as it is done as an expression of faith mm -hmm. in the sacrifice of Jesus yeah. to forgive you for your sins and to save you from God's wrath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not doing it with that faith, then there is no benefit for you. Yep. in practicing the Lord's Supper. Yep. And there's a lot of symbolism wrapped up in even the way that we practice the Lord's Supper as a church. So, you know, during this time of COVID, we've gone to using the individual yep. wrap things, uh, which might be easier and more expedient, but there is still even a, a lost symbolism mm -hmm. of we're sharing a plate. Passing. You know, we're yeah. sharing, like even yep. Jesus, like he, he had one loaf and he broke it, it said. And there's symbolism in that. We don't practice that as a church, but... There's, there's a lot of symbolism wrapped up in mm -hmm. the way that we practice that doesn't just show us the, the, the sacrifice of Christ, but also our unity mm. as a church uh, in what's happening. And, uh, and so there's, there's, a lot that, there's a lot that goes on. There's one more aspect of this that I, I want to talk about in this video, mainly just because I didn't feel like I had time to bring it up yesterday uh, or Sunday uh, for when people are watching this video, uh, was... Some of the reasons that Moses gave Israel to practice the Passover on an annual basis. In Exodus 13, this is after, so Passover had actually become part of a larger festival, which was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where Israel for seven days was supposed to remove all leaven from their household and they were supposed to eat unleavened bread for an entire week. And then the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was Passover. And so it was part of a larger celebration. And, uh, and then what he says in verse uh, chapter 13, verse 11, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that the first opens, all that first opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are male shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in the time, I'm sorry, and when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. <laughs> and so this celebration, this consecration of the firstborn that they're doing, and he says this in a couple other places in these chapters of when, you're, when your sons ask you, why are we doing this? There's an assumption there, number one, that they are doing it, uh, that they are being faithful and celebrating this as they've mm. been commanded to, but also that they're doing it in full view of their family and of their children explicitly. And so it was celebrating the Passover wasn't just a moment of personal remembrance mm. for people. It was also a teaching moment for coming up generations mm. because they, they didn't see the Exodus yeah. happen. Mm. They don't know what happened. And so celebrating this was a way to 
symbolically put it before their eyes mm. to help them see and realize what was going on. Yeah. I guess what I want to point out is that this is one of the important reasons to have your kids at church with you participating mm -hmm. in things like this. We have children's church and nursery for our, our youngest children, but uh, as early as possible, bringing kids into the service uh, mm -hmm. to see these things played out and worked out so they can see it and hopefully go home and ask questions or even parents use it as an opportunity to say, do you understand what we did today? Mm. Um, have you guys had, I mean, Matt, your son was just born. Mm -hmm. So you haven't had the chance, obviously, to have that conversation yet. But I mean, Tim, even with your kids, have you seen an opportunity to talk about spiritual things with your children as a family just because they see either baptism or the Lord's Supper oh, yeah. happen? Yeah, I mean, kids are inquisitive, so they're going to wonder. They're obviously going to wonder what's going on, you know, the water. Usually they just want to go swimming or whatever. They want to know if it's hot in there or cold <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then same with the, you know, why are you getting a little snack and I don't or mm. uh, whatever. So, yeah, of course, that, that opens up those uh, those opportunities. But Passover was so life-altering mm -hmm. to the Jews uh, because, like you, like you talked about with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, um, their life changed for a while every year during this time. And there was no work that was allowed to be done for like a week except for preparing food to eat, which would have been just a different, uh, a different experience for these kids. And, and so it kind of just points to me, not just... <clears throat> the importance, which there is, the importance of having your kid, you know, in service with you, but how your faith and your what God has done in your life needs to be part of your life, your walk every day. And so your kids hopefully will notice that, you know, about like, why, why is it that we pray before we eat, you know, or why do we pray before we go to bed or you know, why on Sunday is life different, you know, or what, I mean, just whatever it might be for how you're with your, with your family there, there should be opportunities within your life where your kids are noticing there's something different about our family than other families. Mm -hmm. Why, mm -hmm. you know, why is Christmas season different? You know, why do we, why do we go to Christmas Eve service and why do we why do we do these different things? Why do we get all dressed up on Christmas? Yeah. Why do we get all dressed up because it's Easter? We don't all these other, you know, what's so special mm -hmm. about this? It's just opportunities yeah. to talk to your kids and, and share the gospel <clears throat> with them. And God, God will use those yeah. um, in their lives, yeah. you know, uh, and those opportunities as a parent. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier, you know, when your kid's asking the question, like, why'd that person get dunked underwater? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Opens the door. This mm -hmm. is why. Now yep. you have the opportunity. They're yeah. bringing it up, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, but you're you're right. It's not just baptism, the Lord's <clears throat> Supper, that leads to that. It is generally the flow of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, that I mean, I can just imagine. You know, if if you as a family habitually pray before each meal that you eat as a family, but then your kid goes over to their friend's house and nobody prays, but they all start eating. Mm that does something in their mind to say, they don't pray before they eat. Why do we pray before we eat? Mm -hmm. you know? um, but yeah, that flow of life, 
produces opportunities to instruct and teach our mm-hmm. children. You know, and uh, I just wanted to, to bring that out because I think that was an important component and aspect yeah. just as we think of uh, how do we use the opportunities mm-hmm. that God gives us. Yeah. To, well, that's to not the last families. time that they did that as well. I mean, when the ark was crossing the Jordan and the water ceased, they took the 12 stones out as a memorial mm-hmm. to the children, to their children's children yeah. or generations. Like there's a lot of those memorials, not calling the Lord's Supper a memorial, but but it is actually symbolism mm-hmm. <clears throat> and an ordinance. But there's a lot of other instances where where there was memorials left mm-hmm. in order to teach, in order to instruct yeah. the following generations. Yeah. So that's good. I'm going to keep that in mind as I'm uh, raising my son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for sure. All right, well, thank you guys for talking. Yeah. And we pray that this has been uh, encouraging and uh, thought-provoking for you as we've just continued to elaborate on the Lord's Supper and connections to the Passover and why we practice it as a church and why we practice it the way that we do as a church. And so uh, maybe you haven't thought of those things before, but I pray that, uh, that you have now and uh, that the Lord's Supper would be all the more meaningful for you uh, as we continue to practice it together as a church. But we'll see you guys on Sunday.